this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Welcome, Pastor Mike and Nate Archer, Mike Gibson and Nate Archer to the platform. As we uh, prepare to do these things, I, I want you to know that I don't tell them what to do. I don't even give them any direction. And I just ask the Holy Spirit, who's supposed to speak? And uh, sometimes it's me, and I'm excited when that happens, and then sometimes it's one of you, and today it's them. And, and every time I, I meet with these two, uh, I see God expanding their tent of influence. It, it, whether it be at work, whether it be anywhere, I just hear stories out of their life that are expanding. You know, the kingdom is never stationary. It's always growing. It's always expanding. Uh, and we were in an interview yesterday, and, uh, and Brett brought this point out. And he said that Smith Wigglesworth always used to say, if you're not growing in the Lord, if you're not growing more tomorrow than you are today in the Lord, then you're backsliding. And I just want to say that these two men inspire me as the pastor to continue growing in the Lord and to continue moving forward. And I know that what they're going to bring to you today will be transformative if you receive it. So I want to pray over them before we begin. Father, today I pray over this team. Lord, as they bring forth the word, I pray over every person in the room and watching online that their hearts would be open, fertile soil for your truth. Mm. Lord, that by the end of this service, there would already be fruit of transformation in the lives of people. And Lord, that in everything you would be honored, glorified, and that your glory would fall in this place. We give this time to you. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and start with that. Um, before we get started here with who we wanted to speak on, um, I came up with a question here and I just kind of wanted to get your input to start. Sure. Um, I just want to know a little bit about what the series Stand has done in your life. Okay. Um, of course, that was uh, a series that Pastor Rob has started and it's found in Ephesians 6. And if you could put up uh, verses 11 through 13, I would like to read that. And it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil in the day and having done all to stand. And that's what Pastor Rob has been uh, talking to us and, and, and really Nate, what, what it means to me is standing on the promises of God. Everything that God has promised in the word is a fact. 
and I stand on that. I stand on him that he will never leave me or forsake me, that he will guide me, he will direct me, he will heal me, he will deliver me, he will give me peace. He will give me everything I need for each and every day of my life. So I stand on his promises, on his word. How about you, Nate? What what is it meant to you? Yeah, I, I think that even as Christians sometimes, especially outside of the Christian world, we especially in America, we live in a gray area world. Um, we love to be in the middle of things. We love not to get on the bad side of people. We love, we love to just kind of stay in our comfortable bubble. Um, and anything, it's really just solidified the fact that the Word of God is 100% truth mm -hmm. and that that is, has to be our foundation on what we live by every second of every day. And I think that the Stand series has done for me, it, it solidifies a fact, and I know we know this, but it solidifies a fact that we can't do this by ourselves. Um, we cannot. Um, we try sometimes, but then we fail. And we need God. We need that personal prayer time. We need that backbone um, to do what he called us to do. So I think that's definitely what I got out of Stand so far. Yeah, that's great. That's all good. And then earlier in the week, um, you were talking to me about the uh, dream board that was up here last week, mm -hmm. and that kind of sparked something in your head, so. Yeah, um, I, I read an article recently, and it talked about looking back upon one's life. And as I look back on my life, I can see through the years how God's hand has been upon my life. You know what, even though I didn't see it or sense it, as I look back, I know that God was there. I know that his hand was upon my life and he was always there. Uh, Psalm 77, 11, if you have that. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Never ever forget what God has done for you and what he's doing for you now. And Nate, as I looked at that dream board that was here last week, it's out in the hall now. I have a dream that's up there. Uh, it was put up there about oh, I don't know, eight months ago. And prior to that, I did not have a dream. And I had to ask the Lord, why don't I have a dream? So he gave it to me. I put it on the board, and I can see him fulfilling it even now in my life. Um, and it also reminds me of, a, of a, a man in Scripture, and it's found in Genesis 37, 5, and the first five words say this, now Joseph had a dream. And the dream he had was an amazing dream that I, I, I don't believe Joseph understood all of it. And I don't understand everything that God has for my dream. And you probably don't understand everything that God has for your dream. But he has a dream and he puts it in your heart. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's on that board or it's in your heart. You have a dream from God. And, and if you don't have one, do like I did. Ask him. Say, Lord, what is it you want for me in my life? What, what is it that I want that I don't even understand or, or, or com com comprehend yet? Um, and so we're going to take a little bit and look at what Joseph went through in his life. And, and, as you, and as we look at it, we can see how Satan attacked Joseph to kill his dream, to destroy his dream, to stop his dream. And I know Satan has done the same to me, and he's done the same toward, toward you, whatever that dream is. He is there to try to stop that, the dream that Lord has given us. Um, and you know, Nate, I, I believe that the wiles of the devil and his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy can be stopped 
because of Jesus, because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And then you said, um, I know you referenced last week, Joseph's life was awfully similar to another person's. So. Oh, yes. Um, I didn't realize how it paralleled, but the life of Joseph parallels with the life of Jesus in an amazing way. So we're going to take a look at that real quick here, Nate. <clears throat> Interesting thing. One of the things is they were both loved by their father. Israel loved Joseph so much he made him a coat of many colors. We know that story. And if you remember during Jesus' baptism, the, a, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove landed on Jesus when he came up out of the water and a voice came from heaven and it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So they were both loved by their father, Nate. And the thing is, they were both rejected by their own. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him. That was their goal, to kill him. And you know, when Pilate wanted to set Jesus free, the chief priests, the religious rulers of the day, um, and those standing by who, uh, who were similar with Jesus, they were Jewish, they cried, crucify him, crucify him. So both of them had rejection from their own people. They were both stripped of their clothing. Interesting, Joseph's brother took the coat of many colors that his father had made for him. They tore it and they dipped it in goat blood and went to their father and said, Joseph is dead. So, they, so he was stripped of his clothing. And Nate, you remember on Calvary, the soldiers took the tunic of Jesus and they gambled for it. So they were both stripped of their clothing. They were both sold for silver. If you remember the story, Joseph was in a pit. They took him out and they sold him to the Midianites for silver. And we know that Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. In reference back to the pit, they were both raised from a pit. Joseph was in the pit where they left him to die, but they raised him out to sell him to the Midianites. So Joseph was in a pit, and he was raised out of that pit. And oh boy, this is a great one. Jesus was placed in a tomb, left for dead, but on the third day, God raised him from that dead, brought him out of that pit, and that's why we're here today. That's great. And you know what? They both resisted temptation. The wife of Joseph's master tried to seduce him, and he resisted. The Bible says he ran. He, he resisted that. And you know, Jesus resisted temptation as well. Remember, after he had for, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he was tempted of the devil, the devil gave him three options, gave him three things he wanted to give him. And all three times, Jesus said the same thing. It is written. Just like you said about what the word means to you. It is written. So they were both tempted. Wow, they were both falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused? Anybody ever tell a lie about you? Well, Joseph's master's wife lied about him and said, he tried to attack me, which was a lie. Off to prison, jo Joseph went. And you know, Jesus was falsely accused by the Sanhedrin as well. And the thing that I really, uh, really just blesses me a lot, blesses my socks off, Nate. We talked about that this morning. <laughs> the soldiers who were in charge of guarding the tomb 
to make sure Jesus stayed in there because they weren't sure because Jesus had spoken three days he would rise again. So they put soldiers around that tomb to make sure he didn't get out. Well, those soldiers saw what happened. They saw that the stone rolled away. They saw the tomb was empty. So they went to the chief priest and told him what they had saw, what they had witnessed. And the chief priest gave those soldiers a large sum of money, the scripture tells us, to lie, to say that his body was stolen by his disciples. Not that he had risen from the dead, so he was lied about. He was lied about many times. And what's really interesting is, after they were uh, both falsely accused, Joseph was put in prison with the butler and the baker, with two men. Remember that? Jesus, after he, or, or, uh, after he was falsely accused, he was placed on the cross between two men. Isn't that interesting? They were both placed with two men. I'm almost done here, Nate. No, Joseph speaks life into the life of the butler. The butler has a dream. You remember that story. And he says, you shall live. So he speaks life into one, one of those men. And you know, Jesus spoke life into one of the men that was on the cross with him. Because he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. They both spoke life into, into one of those men. And you know, Nate, when it's all said and done, Joseph, ha Joseph has a chance to speak to his brothers who started this whole mess. They lied about him. They tried to kill him. They sold him into slavery. The whole mess there. And I really like, of course, we all know the story. There were seven years of, of plenty, seven years of famine. And jo God gave Joseph the wisdom of how to handle that. And in Genesis 50, 20, if you have that scripture, if you could put that up for me. This is what Joseph says to his brothers when he confronts them about the evil they had done to him. Joseph says this to his brothers, Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it was to this day, to save many people alive. And you know, Nate, the lives that were saved because of what Joseph did and what God showed him to do in his dream, the Egyptians were all saved, uh, the Canaanites were saved, and all those who were in the surrounding area were saved from starvation, which included the entire tribe of Israel. They were all saved. And Jesus was born from the Jews. So if this would not have occurred, we would have not had a Savior, Jesus Christ. But because of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, millions of people today will spend eternity in heaven and not hell. So I just wanted to compare the life. When you have tests and trials, when the enemy comes against you, Joseph had them, Jesus had them. And we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, Nate, what has the Lord lay, laid on your heart? Yep. Um, so the Lord has laid on my heart for a while the story of Elijah. Um, to me, it was, to me, it's the epitome of stand because I think it's a great picture of today and we all have our ups and downs and, but we are called to a greater calling than we think we're capable of because we have an unlimited source in God. And, um, I see that throughout the whole story of Elijah. And like I said, he does have plenty of up and downs. I'll get into that, but I kind of wanted to dig in here and um, I'm gonna 
try to refrain from reading the whole story because <laughs> I don't know. The Lord just revealed to me so many different things in here, but I'll kind of get going here. Um, I think to understand fully Elijah, we got to understand the time period in which he was called. So Israel was in a really tough spot. Um, spiritually, they fell to idol worship. Um, they were just being led astray. Um, so, and Elijah was called to be a prophet and to do something that he wasn't capable of, but he knew the source and that source gave him what he needed. So I'll begin here in 1 Kings 17. And it says, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now to understand who King Ahab was, if we go right up, um, right up top here, it says, Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So if we just read 17 and see the word Ahab, let's understand who King Ahab, I mean, he was a, he was, it says, then all who were before him. So this was a nasty man. Um, and then a little further down there, it says, and Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So just a little more solidification that they are full into idol worship, falling away from the things that God has for them. So, um, right there was kind of like the first stand moment as he's standing in front of King Ahab and he says, there won't be dew nor rain. And I did a little more research into that and it really shouldn't have been a surprise um, because if you look back here in uh, Deuteronomy, and it's in Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17, it says, take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. And that just really... So they shouldn't have been surprised, but again, we culture would say and just keep going away and everything's going to be okay. But they forgot who the source was. Exactly. They forgot who their source was. And then if you look after that, after he, um, after he said those things to Ahab, he, um, he was led away from, you know, he's led away by the Lord. And it says that the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and the bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So instantly he was standing on God's provision. Um, Instantly, he was had protection, and he was away, and he was being taken care of. But then I thought it was interesting that probably not that long after, the brook dried up. So, and then it made me think, wait a minute, he's in God's will. He's doing exactly where God led him to go, and his source, gone, dried up. And that's amazing that... I think we sometimes get mistaken that if we're in God's will, everything's going to be amazing and great and everything's just going to go smoothly. But that's not so when you read the word of God, right? That's right. Um, but then right after that, he was led to a widow in uh, the widow of Zarephath. And he said, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you in verse nine. And um, he gets there and her and her son, they're ready to die because she has no supplies. So he went from being, you know, the brook dried up 
instantly to a instantly to a widow where she has no supplies and she they are literally ready to die. And we see here that God through Elijah miraculously provides the resources that she needs. Um, and then right after that, we see her son die. So I don't know about you, but if I'm Elijah, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, what is going on here? I mean, it's just bad circumstance after bad circumstance. But again, he believed and he, he, that belief was so instilled in him of the provision of God and it's solidified there. And then um, we see Elijah revived her son. And then we see that the widow says, now by this I know in verse 24, that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord mm. is in your mouth and is the truth. So we kind of see why he was led there and all the things that surrounded it. We see exactly why he was led to that widow in that he was called to minister her and make her a believer. Um, and then if we go down here to chapter 18, we kind of see stand moment two now. It's been, I think the word says, it's is in the third year. And, it, and the Lord says, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So he sent back after three years. And he has to go back and stand in front of him again and say, now he's saying there will be rain. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And um, then we see a little bit about him relying on Obadiah to go say and present himself and say, I'm back, I'm here. And um, then we see down here, if we go to verse 17, that then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I love Elijah's response here, and it goes along with the standing. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, mm -hmm. and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So you see the authority that the Lord gave him um, in all of that to be able to stand there and say, wait a minute, I didn't do any of this. I'm just a messenger. You did this to yourself. And um, as we go down through here and they gather on Mount Carmel and um, they're getting their sacrifice ready to prove who, whose God is better. And um, Elijah says here in 21, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. And that verse right there, I find very parallel to mm -hmm today's world. Um, it's there, it's clear as day, but they answered him not a word because they weren't ready. They were not ready. Um, they needed to see something, I believe. And uh, we'll get down here there. And um, so they took a bull and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning, evening, even till noon, saying, oh Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. Right after that, they start cutting themselves and pretty much sacrificing themselves to their God. Mm -hmm. And 
it made me realize we serve a risen Savior who did all of that yes. for us. So we don't have to go through any was, of that. He was cut for us. He was cut for us. Mm -hmm. They were willing to do that to themselves yes. for a false god because that was their provision, they thought. Um, so then we go down here through, and um, it's their turn. Nothing happens. Elijah takes over, and Elijah goes above and beyond, which is, I think, the call to stand. And he soaks the sacrifice three times, and he makes it pretty much impossible for anything to happen. Yep. But he had the source, mm -hmm. and he knew that. So you see the boldness again in him. Yes. So I wanted to go down here and read his prayer. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are a God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then it says, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones mm -hmm. and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Mm -hmm. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And that is just so amazing to me. The Lord provided exactly what Elijah needed and the people needed. He knew what they needed. And fire fell from heaven. And then they believed. Um, they were then led and they all died. Yeah. But it goes, I think that goes to show you idolatry and how serious the mm -hmm. Lord takes it. Um, that it isn't any little issue. This is, this is, mm -hmm. this is a big issue. And um, then we go here into 41, and down here he's ready to pray for rain. And he says he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so powerful because that wasn't just any regular prayer. <laughs> he, he was birthing something in the heavens that hadn't happened in three and a half years. And he knew he had to put a little something, <laughs> little something extra in it. And um, I just love that verse. And I think it speaks to what we are called to do sometimes. And sometimes to make this, you know, supernatural happen, the heavens happen, our natural looks a little weird mm -hmm. sometimes. And it's just more proof of that. So he sends a servant up to go look for the storm cloud. He sends him seven times. And it was only on the seventh time that they saw something. And that was a cloud the size of a man's fist mm -hmm. where we would look at and see nothing. <laughs> but it goes to show his belief. Um, and that's what I really wanted to hit home about. The belief that Elijah had in his God and the provision that he was going to provide. Mm -hmm. So then right after that, we see Jezebel enter. And it says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Mm. So you see the enemy continue, mm. continue, continue to try to creep in there and fill his mind with doubt. This time it worked because it says that he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die 
and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. After he literally just saw fire fall from heaven because of what he prayed, the enemy crept in there. And he was ready to die. He thought his mission was done. He thought, they're not turning back. I am done. And it goes to show you that we always should be aware. And I think this whole part here in 19 is a great picture of spiritual warfare mm -hmm. and the things that we battle all day, every day. So it says, two angel, or an angel came to him and said, arise and eat. And when he looked, there was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Hmm. So he rose and drank and went into the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And um, he's asked the question here um, twice. Um, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> and it reminds me of Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fall, and he's in the garden, and he says, pretty much, where are you, Adam? Mm -hmm. Meaning, where are you spiritually? What, what is going on here? He knew exactly what he was, but he wants to hear it from you. Mm -hmm. He wants to hear it from us. And he said, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Mm. So you see him here, he's just tired, he's done, and the, I, the God knew that, and he provided for him, and he sent the food and gave him the strength, and um, we see again his provision. And then God appears in, um, it says, God appears in wind, earthquake, and a fire, but he wasn't in those things, but they were around him. And then it says, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And it goes to show you, no matter what we're going through, we have to be so in tune to hear that small voice. Because if you didn't hear that small voice, it was going to change a lot of things. And because he heard that small voice, the future was looking a lot better because he was going to follow, again, what the Lord had for him. So the Lord asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he repeats exactly what, he just, what I referenced there back to him. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jeshua, the son of Nimshi, a king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shabbat. And we all know the story that then transfers to Elijah, Elisha. And he does two times the miracles. And we see, we see a place where Elijah was done. Mm -hmm. He stood, but he got tired. And when he goes back to the cave, I think the Lord was providing him exactly what he needed at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think um, Pastor Rob, at the beginning of Stan, he referenced um, storms and how when storms come, they're bad. But at the end, they uncover and they cleanse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I believe that Elijah was going through a period of uncovering and cleansing. And God knew exactly the moment to come back and ask him himself, what are you doing? <laughs> and it changed his whole perception yeah. of things. And I think that's, that's where we get in life, where you get tired, we get broken down. 
And the Lord is saying, go do these things because I have generations to change um, at your hand and the people with you. So we go down here and it says, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So his doubt in he was ready to die was based on the enemy's lie of he was like the only one left. Mm -hmm. But I find it funny that it wasn't until the very end that the Lord says, I have reserved 7,000. Mm -hmm. And how, how aware we should be of, I know there's times where we feel alone. We feel like the world is too grim and messed up to make a difference. But I believe the Lord is saying today the exact same thing. I've reserved how many people mm -hmm. out there Take these people, trust in me, trust in my provision, and we're going to go change the nations. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to really just mm -hmm. give Elijah those stand moments and just really understand that it's not about the downs. It's about how you get back up. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, it, it, isn't it interesting how the enemy lies? Mm -hmm. Even when we're standing, he yep. lies to us. Yep. He lies to all of us. He will tell us things that are not true. And he will try to deceive us. That's the wiles of the devil, those fiery darts that he shoots at us. And he's a liar and he's a father of lies. And that's why when lies come our way, we have to be founded in the word of God. Yep. Because the book of Amos tells us that his word is a plumb line. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be lined up with his word. His word is always true, always straight. Sometimes the enemy will tell you something that sounds good. Well, yeah, that sounds all right. That sounds fair. What does God say? Don't matter what you say. Mm -hmm. I'll listen to what you say, then I'll compare it to the word of God. That is our plumb line. That is the straight and narrow. Nothing else except the word of God. Mm -hmm. And you know, Nate and I have brought you this morning two of our brothers in the faith who accomplished what God had for them to do. And you know, God has something for each one of us here to, yep. to accomplish. And it doesn't always have to be a great and mighty thing like calling fire down, <laughs> uh, speak and there's no rain for three and a half years. God has a job for each and every one of us to do here today. And whatever that dream is, whatever that calling is, we need to stand. Yep. We need to do it knowing that the enemy is going to come in. He's going to lie to you and tell you, you can't do it. It won't work. You might as well quit and give up. We need to stand. And you know, we always need to look back and remember what God has done in our lives. Always remember that. And when you look back, whether it's on Joseph or it's on Elijah or your own life, when you look back and you remember what God has done for you, what he has brought you through, always remember this scripture right here, Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Today and forever, he does not change. So what he done for Elijah, what he done for Joseph, and what he's done for you or any of us, he can do again. He is a great and a mighty God who never changes. You know, we spoke of trials and struggles that come our way. Uh, and as we go through this journey that we all call life, uh, it's amazing the great things God does for us through those struggles. Uh, it's a verse we typically read at, Chris, at Christmas time, but Isaiah 9, 6 says this. This is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. He says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, 
And he will be called, now listen to what he's going to be called, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That's who God is. And the very first one there is Wonderful. I think about being wonderful because he does wonderful things. He's a wonderful God. He's a caring God. The things that he does for us are wonderful. He does good things for us because he loves us and he wants to see us through. And I'm just going to kind of uh, close here, Nate, with a couple verses. Romans 8.34 tells us that right now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. So he's our lawyer, he's our advocate, he's sticking up for us. Like Elijah was there, he fell. He, he doubted, he made a mistake. He said, God, I'm the only one left. Yep. When he wasn't, he, he went through a time where he struggled yep. and he failed. But you know what? Jesus is right there at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Hebrews 4.15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That tells me Jesus understands. He was tempted in every way you've been tempted, I've been tempted, every man and woman on this planet, every way they've been tempted, Jesus was tempted, but he sinned not. So when he stands beside the Father and intercedes for us, he understands. Yep. He's been there. I know what it's like. So, again, when those fiery darts, the lies, the wiles of the devil come again against us, Jesus understands. He's been there. He knows what, what it's going, going through, what we're going through. And, you know, even though we're not as strong as Joseph was because he didn't sin, Elijah was strong, but then he failed. He got weak. And that happens to all of us. And, you know, Nate and I are here to tell you today that we have a promise from our Heavenly Father. And it's found in 1 John 1, 9. And, and if you do fall, if you do uh, succumb to the wiles of the devil, this is an amazing verse. He says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful yep. to forgive you your sins yep. and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when Elijah, Elijah did fall, yep. he could go to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Yep. I doubted you. I messed up. And that's all of our lives. Mm -hmm. So the promise we have, and this is the great thing, the promise we have came from the man and the only man who never lied. So that's a fact. When he says, you can come to me and confess your sins, and I will forgive you your sins, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. Because he has never lied, and he has never sinned. So we just not, boy, I hope God forgives me. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. It's a fact. And I, if I could add something in there. Oh, I absolutely. Think it, I think that it's amazing that we don't have to start back over. You know, we don't have to start all the way over when we come to him and mm. admit our faults. And, you know, just like Elijah there, he was just saying, like, I know you, I know you faltered. I know you've been in the cave hanging out. I know you're feeling down on yourself. But he's saying, go, mm -hmm. go return. I still have things to do for yeah. you. You know, I still have people for you to anoint, put in place. And I have a plan that you can't see, but I, I got yeah. it. I got it I taken got it. care yep. of. I got it. And then if I could add um, something, a scripture that came to me about stand is Psalms 46, one through three. And it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst mm -hmm. of the sea. Yeah. Wow. So again, whatever's happening around yeah. you, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Yeah. Therefore, we will not fear anything that's, right. that's going on around us. Wow. That's a promise. Yep. That's a promise. Yep. And um, I, I, I just want to give you a, I want you to visualize this little story in your mind, okay? Um, Satan comes before the father like he did with Job. Remember, he came uh, to the father and, and he accused Job of things. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one to be used here. So Satan comes before the father and says, uh, have you considered your servant Mike? Because I've lied to him and I tricked him. And you know what? He sinned against you. He sinned against you. Now I want you to picture this in your mind. Our heavenly father turns to his right and he's speaking to Jesus and he says, son, is that true? So Jesus looks at the palm of his hand, he sees Michael Gibson. Oh, he's, he's mine. He, I'm written, my name is written in the palm of his hand. Your name is written in the palm of his hand. Yep. So as Jesus looks at, looks at the palm of his hand, and there's my name, he goes and he gets a book that has my name on it. He opens it up to the letter S, which says sins. So he opens it up and he smiles. And he leans over to the father and he shows him the book. Nothing. It's blank. Yep. Because when you do sin, if you confess it to your father, and you know, he forgives you that sin. And you know, he just forg forgives you, he forgets it. We here on earth can forgive, but we have a hard time uh, re of not remembering it yep. anymore. Yep. We have a, God doesn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. He forgives your sins and he forgets them. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible tells us, as far as the east is from the west, yep. I have departed your sins. And um, science has told us that our universe is flat. It's flat like this, and it grows every day and every second. It is getting further and further and further apart. Our universe is growing every day. So that tells me if my sins are as far as away as the east and the west, they're getting further and further and further away. So the Father doesn't remember that. So I think the Heavenly Father turns back and he looks at Satan and says, you're a liar. Yep. You're a liar. You have falsely accused Mike. Not guilty. Case dismissed. And I think it's time that you leave. Yep. That is our God. He's an advocate for us. So if you had a dream on that dream, dream board and you've kind of given up on it, don't. Yep. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be like Elijah and stand because you know what? I can make this through yep. because of his provision, yep. because of God's provision, because of what he has done for us. Nate, anything else you would like to uh, bring, bring up? I don't think so. I think I'm good. Okay. So we want you to all to pursue your dreams. Yep. We want you to stand on the word of God. We want you to always remember that when you do fail, when you do sin, take it to the Father. Yep. Take it to up. the Father. Yep. And say, forgive me, Lord. He is always there with open arms. Mm -hmm. Remember the story of the prodigal son? That father is looking for his son to yep. come home. 
So keep that in mind. He is always there to do that for us. Um, you want to close in prayer? You want me to? Um, I can. Okay. Father, we just, um, we just ask you to search us. Um, whether we have a dream or it needs pulled out, may you just reveal that to us in our prayer time with you or whenever. Just, mm -hmm. just reveal it to us and make it real to us. Um, search us. And may the dream go forth to change people's hearts and minds and potentially altogether generations to come. Yes. So I just ask that you help our unbelief hmm. part of us yes. that when it does come time to stand that we're not going to have that, we're not going to have the belief to stand, but give us the heart of just wanting to help to really drive through change in our our lives in our family's lives and going out from there um, just fill us with boldness to mm. proclaim your word give us the wisdom of your word that is black and white mm -hmm. and that there's no in between and when it comes time to stand just give us the courage to stand because we're standing for you yes and without you we're nothing we wouldn't even be here mm. without you we wouldn't have this platform we wouldn't have anything without you you are our source for everything yes and just give us the boldness and courage to above mm. everything else in this world stand and stand on your word mm. so we just pray that be just Make that real to everybody out here and everybody watching. Just make it real that your word is mm. truth. It's black and white and that we are called to a greater calling than we give ourselves credit for because we have you. Yes. And um, I just pray this and make it real to everybody in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. One, one thing before we go, uh, I just feel like somebody, the Lord has told you to do something and it sounds so simple and easy that it's silly. I'd like to share a story with you. I carry in my left pocket where my cha change is. So if I go to the store and I purchase something, this always comes out with my, with my change or with my money. This is a rock. It's just a plain old rock. It's flat like that. But there's a story about why I carry that rock. My uncle Demas was in World War II. Him and his battalion were, were walking through France. The Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, pick up that rock. There was a rock where he was marching. So he picked up a rock similar to this. This is not it. I've seen the rock. I've been in his house, seen the rock. This is not it. But this is to remind me of that. My Uncle Demas picked up that rock and he put it in his pocket. Fifteen minutes later, they came under gunfire. He was shot three times. Once in the ankle, once in the knee, and once in the rock. <laughs> now, where that rock was, was his groin area. It could have stopped him from having children, or that's your pelvic area, where there are hundreds of blood vessels. I believe because God told him to do something as simple and silly as picking up a rock, my Uncle Demas has children today, and he lived. But that's our God. So if God tells you to do something simple and so simple that it doesn't make any sense, he knows the next 15 minutes what's going to happen in your life. So just, I just thought about to telling that, that somebody out there is doubting, saying what God has told me to do is so simple and silly that I'm not going to bother doing it. Do it. Yep.
Always okay. trust in him. Yeah. Uh, Don, did the uh, pastor take the offering? No. No. Okay, so on your, on your way out, can you put your offering in? We'll just pray over that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring our tithes and our offerings because we want to worship you. We give to you because you are a giver. You gave your son. You gave your life. You are always giving us something. And we, in return, want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We give to you what you have given to us in our livelihood and our income to praise you, to worship you, to glorify you. And we just thank you that we can have a part in your kingdom with our tithes and offerings. And we ask it as our, my brothers and sisters before me and Nate here, as you tithe and offer, remember in Malachi 3 that the Father has told us that he would rebuke the devourer for your sake because of your obedience. We just thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We love you, we worship you, and we adore you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a blessed day. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.